Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. This is Let's Go Blues Radio, the original hockey podcast for your Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. Season 8, episode 13, franchise episode number 199 is what you are hearing right now. So, big news there as uh, we've got our 200th show coming up. More on that in a minute. First... I want to thank the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire. Again, they've got an album coming out in in the fall of 2019, so uh, when I get a date, I will release that, but uh, look out for that. Also, check them out on YouTube if you haven't done that yet. Also, Tom Calhoun in our open, paguytom.com. Big thanks to him. Uh, check out his site. Also, follow him on Twitter. Be his friend on Facebook. Uh, great guy. Does great work. Check out the letsgoblues.com shop and consider buying a shirt, mug, or sticker. Anything you buy will go back into our show, so we appreciate all the support from those of you who have already bought and who are considering buying. Also, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at letsgobluesradio.com. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done so yet, that helps us out a ton and a big thanks to those who have already done it. So we're going to do a little programming note to open the show here. Uh, I've been teasing this for a couple weeks now, and uh, it's official. I have spoken with Mr. Kirk Price and Mr. Bill Day. We will be doing a 200th episode live show. So again, this is episode number 199. Our next show is 200, folks. Hard to believe we've been around that long. Wednesday, August 7th is the day that we will do our live show. So if you are not doing anything that evening, about 9.15-ish, we always say 9.15, sometimes it's 9.30, somewhere in there. Uh, Wednesday, August 7th, we will be doing a live show. Uh, so make sure you find us on YouTube, Let's Go Blues Radio. Uh, Kurt also tweets out the link from LGB Radio on Twitter. And then if you follow us on Facebook, Let's Go Blues is what the uh, page is called. I always post uh, when we go live, and I post the link there. So uh, Facebook, for those who don't know, does not like YouTube. Uh, They actually consider them a competitor since they've kind of upped their video game. So don't expect to just, uh, you know, have your feed open to see it. If uh, if you're wanting to find that link on Facebook, Uh, you're going to want to actually be on our page uh, if you're going to be counting on us for that uh, because... uh, uh, Facebook does kind of hide any posts that have a YouTube link. 
um, unless it's uh, promoted, which I we don't do that. So, uh, yeah, if, if uh, you're wanting to find us on Facebook, if you're hoping to see a link pop up, even if you follow the page, might not happen. You're going to want to uh, at least be on our page and wait for that new post to come up. But I, I recommend just getting on Twitter, even if you're, you don't have a Twitter account, checking out LGB Radio. It's a public page. Kurt always tweets out whenever we go live the exact link. Plus, I do. I retweet at jponder94. So uh, plenty of ways to find us. Just join us live. We encourage listener participation. So, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. If you haven't joined us before, we have a pretty uh, lively audience when we do a live show. So looking forward to uh, getting to talk to all those people again. We haven't done that since uh, the parade. It was a couple days after the parade was our last live show. So looking forward to talking to Kurt and Bill and, and everybody again. Well, I mentioned the live listeners who uh, always tune into our live shows. And uh, what a dink! Our uh, email this week in Keep the Party Going is from one of those people. So, uh, yeah, let's do it, folks. Let's keep the party going. This email comes from Bob. Uh, and for those of you who follow the show regularly, Bob is one of our contest winners. I believe he won the Barney uh, Federko signed book. And uh, he also, again, is a very active in our live chat whenever we do live shows uh he's the one known i always say i love his twitter name wowsy wowsy i I don't know if that's how you say it but that's how i say it so uh this one this email today comes from good listener bob bob says i'm not a very good writer so bear with me and feel free to edit if you need to bob i've read through this already and and i think you did a wonderful job so thank you very much for writing that Franklin County, Missouri in the 80s and 90s wasn't exactly a hotbed of hockey. It was that weird sport on ice my cousins played in Illinois. The only real exposure I got was on a clear night, I could pick up a fuzzy broadcast from Channel 11, killing time until the Stooges came on. Yeah, I hear you on that. I used to watch Stooges every night. Fast forward to around 1995 or so, my brother-in-law got some free tickets to a preseason game and invited me to the game. Since I'd never been, I wasn't overly excited, but I went. The game was going on, and I'm half-heartedly trying to figure it out. This lady behind us, if she was a day old, she was 80, screams at the top of her lungs, Come on, Pronger, hit him with your purse, you pussy. I'm not sure what this says about me, but I was hooked from then on. Fast forward to 2010, I met the love of my life, Rachel, who just so happened to have a cool kid, Dawson, who I quickly converted to a blues fan. On December 1st, 2011, we got the news no one ever wants to hear. Dawson had brain cancer. I won't go into details about how many people and organizations that helped us out, but the Blues were very, very present among them. One time, sitting at the Ronald McDonald House, we were asked if he would like to meet Steen and sit in his seats. We were all so excited that we forgot to take a picture with him. On April 6, 2012, Dawson was given a jersey with his name on it, making him an honorary team member, as well as being picked for the Jersey Off Their Backs promotion. He got Oshie's jersey, and he threw his gloves in for good measure. Then afterwards, Jackman skated over to Dawson and his mom and said, we need to see you at center ice, and he got to take a team photo with them. Dawson passed away September 28, 2012. As to the original answer to your question, as a fan, I was absolutely ecstatic. His question being, um, uh, how did this affect you as a fan of the championship? 
As a person, it's amazing to see an organization of good people, it's been my experience anyway, to finally succeed after so long. I cried a lot of happy tears from the conference finals on. I like to think that maybe Dawson had a small part in winning the cup. He is an honorary team member after all. Uh, and uh, um, very sad from Bob. Bob, man, that's, I had no idea that uh, this was uh, something that had happened in your life. And uh, he, he attached a couple pictures of uh, the Blues, uh, took a team picture with Dawson, as he mentioned. Uh, Dawson with a, uh, his own personal jersey. That's uh, I'm sad to hear that he passed. But um, I'm with you. You know, I, I talk a lot about my dad's death on this show um, and how being a Blues fan and, and everything that I'm so involved with hockey, it's it's like, I mean, literally the biggest part of my life that there is with my job and this podcast and playing and obviously being a huge Blues fan, it's all because of him. So, yeah, I mean, every time I, I look at the picture of, of the Blues celebrating with the Cup, Every time I see a video on Facebook, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is is my dad. So I'm sure it's the same with you for Dawson. Um, there's just no. I'm I'm kind of struggling to find the words here. As um, I feel your pain, man. I mean, I I, I know losing a child. It's something I hope I never ever 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 have to experience. And and it's just it's it's unfortunate that he had to go, but um, you know I'm I'm not one that really believes in the afterlife or anything like that. But if if there is, if I'm if 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 any if there's any chance that Dawson and my dad are sitting up there and and witnessed this with us, I I know they did, and um, I, I know that that it means just as much to them as it does to us. So, Bob, uh, thank you very much for that heartfelt write-in. We really appreciate it. Uh, and if you would like to contribute to keep the party going, make sure you email us at radio at letsgoblues.com. That again is radio at letsgoblues.com. How did this championship affect you? Let us know and uh, we will read one of your emails. So thank you very much again to Bob for writing and always good to hear from one of our uh, active listeners. Well, our guest this week, uh, we're going to be talking some Calgary Flames as Dan Stevenson of the Fireside Chat comes on. Uh, this was recorded on May 22nd. So this was actually the day after the Blues clinched the Western Conference title. So so I was obviously on a very big high when this interview took place. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, right after we found out the Blues were going to the Stanley Cup final. But, uh, yeah, Dan, uh, a very knowledgeable hockey guy that I've had on uh, one of my other podcasts before, and uh, he definitely knows his Calgary Flames. Today, we are talking Calgary Flames, and uh, I am joined by a gentleman from uh, the Fireside Chat. His name is Dan Stevenson. We'll get to Dan in a second. First, I want to uh, rattle off the, uh, the important statistics and important notes of uh, the Blues and Flames history. So uh, all-time record for the Blues against the Flames, 175 games played. They have 81 wins, 73 losses, 14 ties, and 7 overtime losses. Uh, so for those that uh, maybe not well-versed in the history of the Calgary Flames, they were originally the Atlanta Flames. So the Blues' first meeting with the Atlanta Flames was on December 9th, 1972, 
That was a 2-1 win. Uh, that was also uh, part of a back-to-back uh, when uh, they also played it the next night in Atlanta, and they also won that one 5-4. to four. Uh, So first road game, first home game for the Blues against the Flames. They win them both. Uh, then when Atlanta moves to Calgary, uh, the uh, first meeting there was on November 1st, 1980, and that was a 3-2 loss for the St. Louis Blues. A couple big notes here. There's actually a lot of history here between these two teams. Uh, First big one, Brian Sutter, uh, number 11, retired up in the Raptors. His first game as a blue was against the, uh, the Calgary Flames. That was on November, I'm sorry, December 4th, 1976. Uh, Actually. So that was against the Atlanta Flames. Uh, He had no points in a one, nothing loss. Uh, And then of course, a big moment in blues history. One of the most, immortalized games in uh in the franchise uh that was may 12th 1986 the monday night miracle uh greg pazlowski scored two late third period goals in game six of the conference finals to send the game into ot doug wickenheiser scores the big game winning goal to send it to game seven of course the blues end up losing that series but uh one of the greatest moments in blues lore and then uh, one more big note before we get to our guest. Uh, the Blues, uh, on April 5th, 2000, claimed the franchise's first President's Trophy, uh, first and only President's Trophy, with a 6-5 win over the Calgary Flames. Chris Pronger had three goals and one assist in the game. Uh, the Blues finished that year with a 51-20-11-1 record for 114 points. Uh, this game was memorable for me because I was actually in attendance and I remember Mark Savard scoring four goals on the blues in that game. And I remember just thinking, Oh my God, are they actually going to lose this game because Mark Savard scored four goals or are they actually going to be able to pull it out? And they did again with uh, Chris Pronger getting the hat trick and uh, scoring six goals total on the flames. Uh, so a lot of history here, uh, Dan, I'm going to bring it over to you. I don't know if you, uh, any of the stuff I just rattle off, if it has any significance to you at all, but uh, quite the history between these two franchises. Yeah, I mean, Calgary and St. Louis aren't two teams you really think of as having that history. You know, here in Calgary, our rivals, the Edmonton Oilers, the hockey team that should probably be demoted to the AHL. Um, <laughs> we, we, have a, we have a segment on our show where we got to get our Oilers digs in. Since we're out, I'm using your show to do it. That's fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, you know, uh, we got the Vancouver Canucks. Like, you know, we don't generally think of Calgary, St. Louis, but there have been some good games between these teams. It's interesting here, and you mentioned Atlanta because not a lot of fans here in Calgary sort of go that far back. A lot of people look at the lineage starting in 80 when they moved to Calgary. Um, I think it's the only city in modern NHL times, Atlanta, that's lost two franchises. Mm-hmm. In the and both both times to Canada, no less. It was Atlanta went to Calgary, and then Atlanta went to Winnipeg. So, uh, yeah, not, not a very good hockey city. So we usually think of things starting in 1980 here when the team came to Calgary. So I've heard before, and I just want to ask you this general question, that the, the A that's worn on the sweater for uh, alternate captains, I've heard that that A is actually a, kind of an homage to the old Atlanta Flames. Is that true? It is. Yeah, so if you go back and look at the, at the Atlanta Flaming A, that is the uh, alternate logo that's on our sweaters and our captain even used to wear a small flaming C back in the day on his sweater. Yeah. I remember that. 
the Flames actually brought that logo back. The uh, the Calgary Flames have not had a an AHL home for a long time. They're switching teams every two years. And for a while, they had the Adirondack Flames, and they brought the Atlanta logo back out of retirement for that. That's pretty cool. I did not yeah. know that. So, But anyway, you're, you guys aren't here to hear my Flames talk. Oh, no, we are. That's why we're here. They, trust me, they hear me every week. They don't need to hear me, you, hear me anymore. If you want to take the whole episode over, go right ahead. You know, there's not a lot for me to talk about now. I can probably tell you the golf swing of Johnny Goudreau and stuff like that, because uh, unlike you guys, we're done. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so this episode is going to air over the summer. I always have this kind of disclaimer in every episode. <laughs> uh, so right now we are uh, we are on May 23rd. I just turned May 23rd. It's uh, midnight here in St. Louis. And uh, the Blues are uh, yet to start their Stanley Cup final quest. They uh, two nights ago just defeated the San Jose Sharks in game six. So um, very exciting times for us. We'll see after this episode airs. Uh, where the Blues finished, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been an interesting playoff run for the Blues, and uh, not so much for the Flames. You want to elaborate a little bit on on what your team did wrong in this year's playoffs? You know, we're still trying to figure that out, Jeff. Um, <laughs> Calgary best season we've had in a while. If you ask Flames fans, probably the second best season in franchise history. The only one better is when we sip from Lord Stanley's mugs, and you guys may have a chance to do this year. Um, and somehow in the first round, things didn't go our way. I have my own thoughts, but, um, I mean, our GM is still trying to figure that out on himself. And I really think part of our problem is Calgary's built a good team, but Calgary doesn't have a team that can go deep. The last couple of years, our team has sort of faltered at the, the bye week that week off. I don't know why. I don't know if the guys were going to Mexico and drinking, but things have been going downhill there. And I hate to say it. I think uh, our number one center, Sean Monahan, is a great number two, but we need to bring in another guy to shore up that top six. Hmm. Interesting. Well, there's a guy named Dory Laterra available if uh, you would like another center. You know, we've got some interesting pieces to trade at the at the draft as well. I think you'll see TJ Brody out of here. I can actually see St. Louis as a potential home for Brody. That'd be interesting. Um, yeah. 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 But uh, I mean, there's, there's a number of teams that need a top four defenseman. There's no, you know, no shortage of teams that would probably pay for that. Well, you, uh, you received a top four defenseman getting into our little discussion here, March 7th, 1988. This is a big day in St. Louis blues history, probably not revered as well in Calgary, but, uh, March 7th, 1988, you received that big, uh, top four defenseman in Rob Ramage and uh, goaltender Rick Wamsley headed over to Calgary in exchange for Steve Bozak and arguably the greatest player in uh, Blues history, Mr. Brett Hall. Uh, getting into the stats here a little bit, I want to read these off just because it, it just goes to show how crazy this trade was. Uh, Ramage for Calgary played in 80 games, uh, had four goals and 19 assists. Wamsley uh, actually was in Calgary for a fair amount of time, parts of five seasons, 111 games played, pretty good record of uh, 53, 30, and 15. Numbers aren't bad for that era of time either, 878 save percentage, 3.21 GAA. Uh, Bozek for St. Louis, big career here, seven games played, zero points and a minus two. But of course, the big name in this trade, Brett Hall, 744 games played for the Blues, which is fourth all time. 527 goals, which is first, 409 assists for second, 
and then 936 points, also second on the team, just behind Bernie Federko. Uh, adds 370 goal seasons for the Blues. Uh, and then, of course, the 186 goal season in 1991 and four 100-point seasons, and I think even one or two 90-point seasons mixed in there as well. Uh, so, obviously, this brought the Blues the biggest name this franchise has ever had. Uh, just a, a perennial goal scorer, a guy that just every record, it seemed he was chasing outside of uh, Gretzky's point totals. Uh, just, I have to ask, I mean, I know that you're you're a younger man like me. At least that's what we like to consider ourselves. Uh, but looking back at that trade, I mean, come on, that, that, that's that got to be one of those ones that, that, that Calgary looks at and says, why? Oh, why did that happen? The downside, Jeff, is this organization has too many of those uh, <laughs> littered throughout our history. I mean, you know, our latest one, we gave away Jerome Ginla a few years ago for seemingly spare parts and some donuts or something. Like, you know, we, we've got tons of those. Um, at the time, if you look back at it, both Ramage and Walmsley, big part of Calgary's only Stanley Cup win. Mm-hmm. So depending on how you balance that out, you know, key pieces on that team, key pieces during this uh, franchise heyday. One thing that might be hard for American fans to remember is uh, the Canadian dollar is crap and has always been crap. And uh, that has a lot to do with some of these guys like Brett Hall often not being able to stay here or U.S. teams potentially offering more money. And throughout this franchise history, we've often had to sell to, uh, you know, just to be able to afford things or to get rid of a guy while there's some value there. So that's something that we don't often think about is that disparaging, you know, dollar. And, and I mean, right now and at times in the NHL history, we've paid almost double for any salary. Like a, a player making $2 million in today's day is almost making three eight. Wow. In Canada. So, so yeah, I mean, back in the time, Brett Hall, not a great player. Um, but as they always say, you have to give to get, right? And that's what we mm-hmm. say on our show all the time when we're talking about trades. And, yeah, I mean, Brett Hall probably would have been great here, but I don't know the Calgary Flames would have won the Stanley Cup uh, with Brett Hall on the roster. I think, you know, they were mortgaging the future for the present. Yeah, and you know and- what? I mean, we can uh, – again, I'm – I'm I'm on a I'm I'm a fan of a team that's uh staring the Stanley Cup final in the face right now uh here in uh, uh late May but you know that is always the thing that I say when when um you know when we've had we've talked <coughs> about the Cardinals here in St. Louis or the Rams or or even the Blues when whenever the other team wins a championship but maybe the Cardinals got the better player was it really a win for the team that got the better player if they didn't win the championship? And and really, I think that that could be the case made in Calgary that, you know, yeah, maybe maybe that's their only cup win, but that's one more than St. Louis has. Well, that's what I was going to say, too, is, yeah, Brett Hull turned out to be a great player for you guys, but in the end, did he help you hoist Lord Stanley's mug? I mean, you mentioned he chased Gretzky's record. There was a point where the Blues even brought in Gretzky to try and get that done and still couldn't get it done. So... You know, yeah, we gave Don't up a big player. We gave up <laughs> a big player, but it it got us a cup. Right, exactly. Interesting uh, you mentioned thanks. Steve Bozak. Uh later that same year, September 6th, Bozak came back to Calgary in another deal with St. Louis. I I did not have that in my notes. It's good to know. Yeah, Steve Bozak, uh Michael Dark, 
Doug Gilmore and Mark Hunter all came to Calgary. Another big part of our Stanley Cup win was Dougie Gilmore. And in exchange, you guys got Mike Bullard, Tim Corkney, and Craig Cox. That's one of the worst trades. I, I know I actually know exactly that trade now that you say it, and that's upsetting. I was a big Doug Gilmore fan, and I still am. Um his time in Calgary, his time in Toronto. I loved the player he was, and and you could see it in St. Louis. I mean, obviously, this was when I was a young man, but I remember my dad telling me stories of, you know, just seeing the the type of player he was, and just having him go at that time. Very unfortunate <laughs> for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, it was, and I mean, if you kind of look at it, that because Bozak went in and out in you know five months. If you really look at it, it was Brett Hall for Ramage and Wamsley when you know mm-hmm. the dust settles. It's a hell of a deal for Calgary. Yeah, that's not bad at all. So, uh, but yeah, another uh, another big trade there for uh, between these two teams that, that uh, I want to touch on. Uh, another Hall of Famer brought in for the Blues. Uh, they the Blues had traded, and, and you know, and you look at this this trade specifically, and you say it's easy to just look at it as a Blues fan, and maybe you look at it the same as a Flames fan that the Blues won this trade. Uh, but then you break down the numbers and you really think about the types of player these guys are may not be the case. Uh, so the blues trade Phil Housley and, uh, two draft picks for Al McKinnis and another draft pick. Um, so obviously again, this blues, the blues bring in, and this was on July 4th of 1994. Um, and, uh, blues get a hall of fame or they get a guy who's in the organization still, big part of the blues success i'm sure in, in a front office aspect uh but mckinnis for st louis uh 613 games played 127 goals 225 assists for 452 points which is eighth all time on the blues record list and yes 452 points in 613 games that's great for any defenseman phil housley uh in his calgary time not as long as mckinnis is but 238 points in 328 games. That is, that's really not bad. And uh, he brought some exciting times to Calgary. He did. Now I can tell you here what these picks turned into. I'm not familiar with the, uh, the guy that St. Louis acquired. Maybe you can tell me the uh, pick that Calgary gave up was the 1997 fourth round selection, number 86 overall, which was Didier Tremblay. Yeah, I couldn't tell you anything about him. <laughs> so, yeah, and same on our side. We got a second-round pick, which became Steve, Steve Beijing, who was here for a while but did nothing, and John Tripp, who I've never heard of. So the picks are kind of a wash. Yeah, Didier Tremblay, looking him up, um, looks like he played in the ECHL, in the AHL, in the Blues system. Uh, never went further than that. Looks like he played... Uh, my goodness, some of these leagues I've never even heard of. So, yeah, yeah. definitely not a, a difference maker there. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, at the time, and again, from what I, this was kind of before, I mean, 94, I was a very young man. But uh, from what I understand, there were some contractual issues with McKinnis and, again, dollar values and that sort of thing. So the Flames had to make the move. But, yeah, Phil Housley's no slouch. This is a time the Calgary Flames were a terrible hockey team. Um, they were going through a perpetual rebuild, sort of like the Oilers are now, where every year they're rebuilding again. And I think Housley was that big veteran piece for the team, and he actually had two stints here in Calgary. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, when you break down the numbers, neither team was all that great at the time. And I think, you know, McKinnis definitely a guy that's lasted longer there. But 
still a, a very popular guy here. And actually one of the guys who there's a controversy here in Calgary. McKinnis is raised to the rafters, sort of. Uh, we have two programs here. Big uh, problem with Flames fans. We have retired numbers and what they call forever a flame, where you're not retired, you're honored. And McKinnis is up there, number two, honored, but not retired. And they did a whole ceremony for him. No one's really worn number two since, but we can't retire it for some reason. Mm. <clears throat> it's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, McKinnis is, I mean, one of my all time favorite players. And I remember. 2007 i actually went to toronto to see his uh hall of fame induction and uh i i remember when we walked in you know they had all the jerseys that was one of the better hall of fame classes we've ever seen uh mark messier scott stevens uh al mckinnis and uh oh my goodness i'm drawing a blank on the last guy uh but either way they all had their jerseys hanging up messier with the oilers and yeah um, obviously stevens with the devils mckinnis they had him with the flames. I remember his Jersey hanging up as a flame and I'm thinking, uh, no, you know, but then you think back and you know, he was a big part. Again, you mentioned the, the 88 cup yeah. team. He was a big part of that team. And, well, and it, in in your mind, he's a blue, but if you look at the highlight of his career, which probably raising Lord Stanley's mug, he did that wearing the red, the yellow and white. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could make the case that he had more personal achievements because he won a uh, Norris trophy with the blues. But yeah, he won a he won the Conn Smythe that year, did he not? He, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, and again, uh, but by '94, the Flames weren't very good. So I mean, this was kind of you know moving an asset for a couple picks and Phil Hosley, who they were trying to get cheaper and trying to rebuild a bit. And again, if you if you look at what McKinnis has said over the years, some of the reason he did move was money. So that was a problem for the Flames in the '90s. Ron Francis. That was the other guy, and they there had a jersey of the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, but okay. no, I mean, and uh, yeah, I mean, I was a big fan of of Housley as well. I uh, obviously uh, an American guy, guy that I followed his career pretty closely. Uh, I loved the way he skated. I thought he was one of the better skating uh, defensemen that that we've seen in our lifetimes. You you want to know the weird thing I remember him for? What's that? One of the few North American guys who wore a Jofa helmet. Remember those yes. old round Solani Jofa helmets? Yep. Oh, yeah. He did wear a Jofa. That's right. Him and yeah. Theo, both of them had the big Jofa helmets here in Calgary. Yeah. Theo's never seemed to stay on, though. Eh, <laughs> Theo's teeth never seem to stay in either. So, <laughs> um, um, yeah. So, uh, another, another big, this one's obviously not as big as the other two because those brought in perennial blues players and, and then not as big for, for you guys. No, not as not as big for you guys, but this one was big for you. And I actually, I loved this trade, but I hated this trade that we're going to talk about here. Uh, this was in 2001. The Blues traded uh, uh, there at the time, their fourth line center in Craig Conroy for uh, Corey Stillman. Stillman was a big part of that 2001 team. Up until 2019, I said that was the best team the Blues have ever put on the ice, I think. This team can rival that now, but um, Stillman had some great years with the Blues. He uh, he scored a, a big goal. I remember against the uh, the Dallas Stars game three uh, in that 2001 second round uh, to win it in overtime. He was on a line with East Mike Eastwood and Scott Mellenby. Good memories of Corey Stillman. He ended up getting traded later uh, in a pick that brought in, I believe it was David Backus uh, to the. Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Uh, and, you know, so good, good career here. But then you look at what Craig Conroy went on to do. I was always a big Conroy fan. I uh, love the way he played the game. Just a great passer. And obviously, as I said, the Blues had him on the fourth line. What happens when he goes to Calgary there, Dan? Uh, he came in for the Flames at a pivotal time. As some people might remember, the Calgary Flames uh, in 04 ran all the way to the finals and uh, lost. But he'd been here before that. But uh, became our number one center, the the setup man for Jerome McGinley. And again, a big part of that 04 run is how a lot of people remember him. And uh, still with the organization now, sort of like McKinnis is for you guys. But yeah, it gets goes from the fourth line center to the first line center. And that's not a jump you normally see in the NHL. No, I mean, at this time, too, I mean, you can make the case that maybe in the 80s that happened because the scouting wasn't the way it was. But Craig <coughs> Conroy, I mean, he came in at a time when technology was starting to take off in, in terms of scouting. And, yeah, I mean, I remember my brother was a big fan of him. And he used to say, God, if they only gave him a chance, maybe on a second line, to see what he could do. And lo and behold, Calgary must have seen something in him. Because his career high in points before uh, he goes to Calgary was 43, and that was in 97-98. He surprised that every single year that he was in Calgary. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they paired him with one of the be- probably the best sniper at the time in the NHL in Jerome McGinley. In 0102, Conroy got 75 points. That's crazy. Like, if you think about what a 75-point score would look like in the modern NHL, that's quite amazing. And that was and, the year Aginla led the league with 52 goals. Exactly. And if you look at, I mean, Stillman and Conroy's numbers together, they both put up pretty good numbers for their franchises. So, I mean, one for one, it's a pretty even trade there. Um, I do think, if I remember correctly, the Flames actually got a seventh round pick as part of this deal, which became David Moss, who played here for a number of years. There you go. Yeah, he, uh, was, never, uh, he was a big part of the Flames for a while. Yeah, I mean, he was sort of guy. that perpetual tweener guy, you know, the the jump between the HL and NHL guy. Um, but, yeah, he was around for a while. The The interesting thing about Craig Conroy, so Jerome McGinley retired this year, big fanfare around town here, and he was telling stories of Craig Conroy, and seeing him on your list here reminded me of some of them. Um, he tells a story about when the Flames first made the Conroy deal, and he was talking to the media, and they asked, you know, what do you think of Craig Conroy? And he said, do we really need another checker? Ah. Like again, looking at, you know, we're bringing in this fourth line center. Do we really need another one? We got lots of them. And then they started uh, pairing Conroy up on Iggy's line. And Iggy tells a story, and I don't have the exact wording here. If you go to the Flames site, you can hear it right from Iggy's mouth. They have a whole retirement video section. But uh, Craig's used to playing like a fourth liner, a lot of dump and chase hockey. And I guess after one of their first shifts together, they got back to the bench and Iggy looked at him and said, if you're going to dump it, you're going to go get it. <laughs> that's awesome that's very so cool. craig had to change his game a little bit to be that top line centerman and i think that that's probably i mean again great fourth line center for the blues uh played on a, a famous line here that that the fans love called the cpa line it was him uh scott pellerin and blair Atchinum. but that i think that suited him better i remember just a, a year later the flames coming to town. And, and I, I remember going to the game and seeing Craig Conroy on that top line with Jerome McGinley and just, that's the same guy. I mean, that's, that's the guy that was playing on the fourth line. Like what, what were they using him for? I mean, obviously yeah. this guy had skill. 
And again, you know, we can debate who might have been better points wise. Um, Conroy brought the Flames, the second closest they'd been in a while to the cup, which was, you know, game seven against Tampa Bay. And we can argue if the Flames should be the winners that year or not. That's for a different show. But, you know, again, if we look at what Stillman contributed overall and what Conroy did, I would say the Flames probably won that deal by him taking them so, so close to the cup. I agree with you 100%. Um, and, Man, I mean, I, I just I look at that that team that the Flames had in 04, and it seemed like they were just firing on all cylinders, and um, just Craig Conroy being the center of it was kind of maddening for Blues fans. And I remember Blues fans saying, you know, they traded the wrong guy, they shouldn't have let him go. And I just, you know, my my counter to that was always he wasn't going to do that here. He no. wasn't getting recognized as a guy that could they could step in and, and play big minutes and uh, center the, the elite snipers of the NHL. Um, and Stillman Calgary, wasn't going to be got... that guy here. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, and... Stillman, Stillman moved up to the first and second line throughout his tenure with the blues. Yeah. And just for blues fans that are interested, Craig Conroy uh, left Calgary for a bit, came back. Um, he actually still now works in the organization as one of our assistant general managers, Quite uh, a big face in the media still, if you've ever talked to Craig, which we have on the show. You can't get him to stop talking. We had a five-minute interview spot with him that went 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> still really loved in these parts. Um, calls Calgary home now and big part of the Calgary Flames organization in the front office. So, you know, a guy that came here and really hasn't left since. Yeah, I've, uh, I've I mean, again, I, I've met him a couple times when he was a player and I was a kid, and um, I just thought he was – one of the nicest guys in the league. And you always hear these stories about some of these uh, players. And he was one that stands out to me. I'd always hear a story about Craig Conroy. And it was always, you know, charitable and something he did for a fan and uh, just a, a wonderful guy. And, and uh, so I want to ask you very knowledgeable hockey guy too, just a great hockey mind. Do you think there's a chance he leaves Calgary uh, eventually to get a promotion somewhere else? I think if I look around the league, there's a lot of guys that would get promoted to say an NHL GM spot before Craig. Um, I don't know that we can really look at Craig and put, you know, this is the thing that he's known for. This is why you'd want to hire him. Um, I think if Craig Conroy is going to become a GM, it would be more of an AHL GM role. Um, some would say a step down, but I don't see him wanting to leave Calgary. I think he's quite happy here. He enjoys the fans. Um, you know, will he ever be GM here? I don't think so, but I'm not sure that's something that he really requires in his life. You know, some guys are built to be that general manager, that coach. I think, you know what, he'll kind of stick around the league, the organization as a, as an AGM, and then he'll probably fade into alumni. And I think more than in St. Louis, we have a huge alumni group here in Calgary. I mean, Lanny McDonald's been the face of it for years. I think that even if he's not working for the Flames necessarily, he'll be employed by the alumni to make some of those appearances and stuff. So, no, I don't see him leaving. Uh, so another big trade between these two teams. It, it just seems that it's funny that we just keep talking about all these trades that uh, these teams have made together because they've been partners in trades so many times. This one more recent, uh, April 1st, 2013. Uh, this was a part the, part of the reason the Blues made this deal they wanted a, a solid left-handed defenseman to pair with their number one guy in Alexander or Alex Petrangelo, and uh, they go out and got him. They got uh, Jay Bomeister from the Flames in exchange for two draft picks, Mark Kandari and uh, Red O'Bara, the goaltender. Um, now, this again, this trade, 
you could go either way saying if this was beneficial for the Blues or not. At the time, I think this was an excellent trade for the Blues. Kandari was not really going to do anything for the Blues. The Blues had a abundance of goaltenders in um, uh, uh, Halak, Elliott. I think Bishop, Bishop was just gone. But Jake Allen was working his way through the ranks. So I think this is a good trade. The Blues were able to move some pieces they really didn't need and brought in a guy who could uh, fill in some top-line minutes. Now, obviously, the question marks come in. Uh, the question marks come in. If, if this guy, Jay Bowmeister, has he, has he stuck around a little too long in St. Louis? But, again, that's for another show. Uh, that's for us to discuss on our live shows. But in terms of uh, Calgary, when this trade went down, what was the feeling like in uh, in Flamesland? So I should just set the stage for you a little bit. The probably still to this day for a lot of fans, the biggest name in Calgary Flames history, Jerome McGinley, was traded March 27, 2013. And only, what, three, four days later on April 1st, Jay Bowmeister left. So mm-hmm. we were still pretty raw from having, you know, our superstar traded. So I think there was a lot more negative feelings just because of that. Um, but yeah, it was... When we looked at it, Jay Bowmeister was a big star. And even when he came in, he came to us from Florida. He was he's a you know a big name defenseman. And when you look at what we got, I mean, these picks haven't turned into anything. I don't think either guy's still in the organization. Kandari was not worth anything. Red Obara, his claim to fame as a backup goaltender was he did karate moves when he saved uh pucks in the shootout. Like we've we felt like we just got a bunch of spare parts. And after just trading Jerome McGinley for spare parts, there was a lot of negative feelings here. It's like, is this really the best we could get for Jay Bielmeister, especially with all the teams that were looking to, I mean, if you look at some of the deadline deals that year for d- comparable defensemen, we feel like we got hosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that year, the blues had gotten uh Jordan Leopold uh, as well from the Buffalo Sabres. And Another former that, flame. Yeah. And I remember that, uh, that deal, being like, wait a minute, they, they, yeah, they gave up a little bit more for Bowmeister, but not that much more. And Bowmeister was a much better defenseman than Leopold was. Well, that's it. And that, that was one of those years where it's like, you know, we're, we know we're not going to do this. Is this really the best return we could get? Like, yeah. you know, the Flames were maybe going to the, to the playoffs and it was a last minute deal or something, but they were selling off parts. And, even to this day, Jeff, I feel like this trade hampered the Flames getting to where they are now. I feel like they could have probably got a top prospect or, I mean, they got a first-round pick. Whether they didn't use that pick well or it was just a bad draft, depends on who you ask. But, I mean, that first-round pick should have got us a better piece than we have. So I really think this deal has hampered the Flames trying to rebuild as they did in the uh, mid-2000s. I cannot remember who it was, but I know that because um, that that was the talk at that time. The Blues needed a left-handed defenseman to pair with Petrangelo, and the word around the league was that uh, whoever their top prospect was, it might—I don't think it was Tarasenko. It might have been Schwartz. Um, the, the rumor was that that was going to be the trade chip to get a left-handed defenseman in there, and I remember thinking, "No, no, do not do that. Do not trade a top prospect." for a fix this season. And uh, again, I mean, I, I think Blues fans, when that trade went through, not only was there relief that there wasn't a top prospect moved, it was, wait, we, we literally got him for guys that are never going to see the NHL anyway? 
It's, well, that's uh, it, and that's shocking. Yeah, yeah, and and that's why we were upset by it, right? Because yeah, it's like we moved one of our. I mean, we can debate how good the team was at the time, but we moved a player that is, you know, was NHL caliber and could have really helped a team like St. Louis for, yeah, your junk. Yeah. I um, believe one of the newspapers called it at the time, Calgary went shopping at St. Louis's yard sale. <laughs> That's perfect. That's beautiful. Um, so something else I wanted to touch on with you, uh, there's a lot of, there is a lot of of goaltenders between these two organizations. Um, I had uh, Michael Ebert on from Oilers Live, and it seemed like uh, the same thing was said between the Blues and Oilers that the goaltenders that were flipped uh, either between the two teams or maybe had uh, uh, played for different teams in between. Uh, here's just a small list, and I'm sure there's even more if I would have done even more research on this. Fred Brathwaite, Grant Fior, Curtis Joseph, uh, Jamie McLennan and Roman Turek. And that's yep. all like relatively recent within the last 20, 25 years. Uh, yep. I'll admit the name that stands out to me, Curtis Joseph. I do not remember him with the Calgary Flames. So he came in, he wasn't here very long. This is when we had Mika Kippersoff. And if you go back and ask any uh, Flames fans, nobody can remember who his backup was. It was very much like the mid-90s starters when you had Cujo and, um, you know, Wah and Broder. And it was just, hey, you have some pads. You're the backup because they played 10 games a year. Right. Joseph wasn't here very long. He was here for part of one year. He only played nine games here. And that was in 2007, 2008. He was really brought in to be a, a veteran presence to work with Kipper. Mm, okay. And he didn't even play all season. It was one of those things – Kipper said, oh, this guy's been my idol. And, well, let's bring him in to work with Kipper. Nice. Very cool. So, yeah, I remember so, uh, I remember the so, – so speaking of veteran goalie, Grant Fuhr, I remember – I still remember the day that they traded him to Calgary. I was upset, yet I was happy because um, Fuhr was great. But, obviously, this was at the very tail end of his career. Um, it was time for the Blues to move on. Uh, that was when they had acquired Roman Turek from the Dallas Stars, mm-hmm. who at the time appeared to be the the next coming of Dominic Hasek or, or insert top goalie here. Yeah. And um, so so they, they acquired Grant Fior, uh from the Blues. And uh, obviously he lasts, what, one, two years there? Well, and see, here's the interesting thing with Grant Fuhr. When we acquired him, nobody thought of him as a St. Louis goalie. Everybody thought of him as an Edmonton goalie. And right. he's the guy who stymied us in the 80s. So there was some mixed reactions there. It's almost like crossing enemy lines, right? It's like, why is this guy coming here? He's an Oilers guy. Right. And uh, so then after that, after Roman Turek spends two years here, he gets traded to Calgary, uh, a requested trade actually, because he wanted out. And uh, so then the, 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 the deal in St. Louis, I don't know if you're aware of this um, after the, the Roman Turek trade, uh, the joke in St. Louis was, well, if you don't like a goalie, you just trade him to Calgary. I didn't know that, but that makes sense. <laughs> and and it's interesting because if we look at that Roman Turk trade, you guys got Fred Brathwaite, who going back to, you know, the whole Cujo thing, Brathwaite was Cujo's backup in Edmonton for years. Yep. And he fell off the map. There was a year here. I think it was 2000. Calgary went through 10 goaltenders in one year. We kept getting guys injured. And well, Brathwaite, I don't think was even playing like pro hockey. They just found him in some beer leaguers and said, Hey, come play. You have NHL experience. And he became really liked here. 
So, you know, when, when we trade him, as much as we liked him, there was a lot of uh, negatives around here. And Daniel Kachuk was a first-round pick for the Flames. Um, Varlamov went in there, who, you know, tweener. But Roman Turek was supposed to be a big part of this team for for the Flames. And debatable if he was or not in the long run. I mean, didn't win us anything, but it was one of those big names you could build around. Right. No, that's uh, – I think at one point, was it your goalie tandem, Roman Turek and Jamie McClendon? Yep. Roman yeah, Turek – that was that was a former Blues uh, tandem. That was Turk's first year here in St. Louis. Yeah, and I think Turk would have lasted longer here if Kippersov hadn't forced him out. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, he- um, you know, Kippersov was brought in by Daryl Sutter. We talked about Brian Sutter earlier, for another guy who went from Blues player to Flames coach, and his brother uh, Daryl brought Kippersov in, and Kippersov was supposed to be the backup and won the job from Turk. Ah, it's crazy stuff. It's and uh, Turk's again, disappeared just- ever since. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember uh, NHL, God, it was a EA sports game. I had a friend that sent me a, a random message, a uh, guy I hadn't talked to in years. And uh, it was just a, a text message. And it was a picture of Roman Turk's face. And I, I was, well, what is this, man? Dude, he's on the Czech team in NHL 2009 or 2010 or whatever year it was. And I was like, no way. And I had to go in and acquire him and bring him into the NHL because I'm like, I've yeah I gotta I gotta have Roman Turek in the league at least backing somebody up. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and everybody, of course, maybe not there, but everybody here remembers his mask featuring Eddie, the Iron Maiden mascot. Still right. one of the more famous masks in Calgary Flames history. Yeah, actually, um, I do remember that mask. He, um, I want to say he had an Iron Maiden mask here in St. Louis. He did. Well. Yeah, he was sort of like you remember Eddie Belfort just changed the color no matter where he went, but it had the same yep. eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with, with Turek. I think it was green when he was in Dallas, blue with you guys and black with us. Right. No, that was, that was a pretty, pretty killer helmet. I always liked that one as well. Yeah. Uh, well, Dan, uh, this, this is, this has been great. I've enjoyed talking with you about all these past memories. Obviously the, uh, the big names that have come through both organizations, the goalies, the, the big trades. Um, can yeah, I get your thought on two trades here, Jeff? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, June 22nd, 2007, I believe this is at the NHL entry draft. Calgary and St. Louis swapped first round picks. St. Louis wanted to move up. So they traded the 24th overall pick and the 70th overall pick. So they're first and third for uh, Calgary's pick. Calgary ended up drafting with the 24th overall pick, Michael Backlund. And St. Louis moved up to get Ian Cole. Oh, boy. You can probably speak more to Ian Cole being there, but I would say, you know, for Calgary, moving down and getting Backlund, he's been a huge part of our team. And that's one of those unsung draft day deals, I think. It's it's funny because, you know, you look at that trade when that happened. I actually remember that happening because I had been eyeing Ian Cole as a guy that uh, the Blues could have used at the time. And there was a, a period of time here when uh, it was him and, and Alex Petrangelo were both uh, coming up at the same time. And we, everybody in the free world, thought Ian Cole looked better in training camp than, mm-hmm. than Alex Petrangelo. And when the Blues had decided to send uh, uh, send Cole, I don't know if he was sent back to juniors or if he, it was when he was sent down to Peoria AHL the first time. But everybody was like, really? Really? You're going with Petrangelo and not Cole? Cole looks so much better. And then obviously we've seen the career Petrangelo's gone on to have, and you know not that Cole's had a bad career, but 
Uh, he just never really worked himself in the favor of Ken Hitchcock here in St. Louis. I was always a fan of his game. Good heavy hitting defenseman, good puck mover. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a little slower, I thought in the back end and, and, uh, in reaction time and, uh, good player, but, but yeah, uh, I did not realize that, uh, that trade gave Backlund the opportunity to be drafted by Calgary. So, uh, yeah, obviously and, worked out for you guys. And Backlund was a slow starter here for a lot of people. You know how it is. Fans see a first round pick and they expect this guy to be the next, you know, bajillion goal scorer for your team. And that wasn't Backlund. And, I remember fans here wanting him traded when he was younger, but he's become a really good two-way center and the center for what we call the 3M line here, which is uh, Matthew, Michael, and Michael, Matthew uh, Kachuk, Michael Backlund, and Michael Froelich. So, you know, big part of the Calgary Flames now. So I thought that was an interesting trade to bring up. And then we were talking earlier about goalies that played for the two teams, and you forgot probably the most recent. Uh, June 26, 2016, Calgary got Brian Elliott from you guys. That's right. That's right, um, Brian Elliott. Yeah, at the time they were trying to decide, I think, do we keep Elliott or do we keep Allen? And uh, Calgary gave up their 2016 second-round pick and a conditional third in the 2018 draft, last year's draft. And I'll tell you, that's one that at the time on paper, we're like, okay, we got solid goaltending. The Flames had been sort of on shaky goaltending since Kipper retired. We were hanging our hat on a lot of guys like Kari Ramo who – you couldn't really rely on. And we thought, wow, this guy is going to come in and do good. And arguably you could say in 2016, Elliot cost us the playoffs. He, uh, I know there's a family show. Let's say he pooped his pants. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, uh, he arguably cost the team. So looked good on paper when he came in, but overall the flames were not too happy with that in the long run. I think it's funny you say that because that was, that was a rallying cry to get Doug Armstrong fired here in St. Louis. Um, the, the GM of the blues, it was when that trade happened, it was okay. This guy brought you to the third round, clearly outplayed Jake Allen throughout the year. And you're going to trade him for a couple draft picks. And, and that's why we are so happy to have him. Right. And, and, you know, maybe again, you know, it, it talking about Craig Conroy earlier, you never know what a player is going to do in a system. So, yeah, maybe Brian Elliott stays here. Maybe the Blues want to win a cup with him. Maybe. But he goes on to Calgary, did not look good. He even lost his starting job yep. to Chad Johnson for a little bit yeah. there that season. He did. And and the Blues saw Chad Johnson play for them earlier this year. And let's just say we were not impressed. No. So. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think the thing, too, when we look at these goalies you and I have talked about, Really, I'd say outside of uh, maybe the first one we talked about, uh, Rick Walmsley, nobody that's been traded between the two for goalies was really traded at the height of their career. True. That's a good point. You know, you know we look at Grant Fuhrer by the time he was traded here. We look at, um, you know, a lot of these guys that you're talking about and their move sort of after their best years. And even all these guys we're talking about, I mean, you know, McKinnis, I would argue, as you said, as best years in Calgary, um, there's very few times these two teams have traded players in the peak of their career. And that's why I thought that Ian Cole, Michael Backlund trade was kind of interesting. That is an interesting one. Yeah. I, I again, did not realize that uh, Backlund was involved in that one. I remember the trade thinking, um, all right, Ian Cole, here we go. And he ended up, he actually ended up getting traded for uh, Robert Bertuzzo, who's been a, a pretty big part of the Blues' playoff run this year. Interesting yeah. stuff. 
So question for you, Jeff, uh, we always like to do this on fireside chat. Anytime we talk somebody sort of from outside the flame sphere, what is the sort of opinion of, let's say the blues army or whatever you call your fan base of the Calgary flames? Like how does an outsider look at our team and our roster? Oh man, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be generous, but I'm going to, well, first I'll say the nice thing. Um, Johnny Gaudreau, everyone talks about how great that guy is, how skilled he is. And he just, he seems like a good dude off the rink too. I mean, maybe you can, maybe you have different opinion there, but he seems like a a guy that you would just love to have on your team. uh, Teammates get along with Um, the question mark and goal has been, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of wishy washy feel of the team since, uh, since Kipper left in goal. Um, that's that was always the thing that kind of uh you know when they got Elliot it was okay maybe they're maybe mm-hmm. they're gonna be no that didn't work out uh and again on paper Mike Smith should have worked out yeah and to be honest um when Mike Smith was hot was brought in I thought okay that's gonna be a little bit better than Elliot now granted and I think you'll agree he wasn't the problem in the playoffs nope uh at least talking Mike Smith not Brian Elliott um mike but, smith was the was the guy that saved our butt in mo- in most of those games yeah i agree and i thought he looked fantastic i watched a lot of that series and i thought man mike smith looks like mike smith of you know seven eight years ago i don't know if he looks good enough to get himself another calgary flames contract but he definitely looked good yes he did um and uh but i will tell you i'll, I'll be honest with you that um when the blues were kind of working their way up the ranks in in you know late February, early March, mid March, uh, and the talk was you know okay, who do you want to play in the playoffs? Because the blues could really at this point play anybody. It could shake out in any way. Um, and my answer was always Calgary. I thought, I thought for some reason there was just something about them. They were ripe for the pickings. They were a good team that uh, could easily pitter out in the first round. And, um, you know, not trying to say that I was proven correct because Cal- uh, Colorado was a hell of a matchup for them. But uh, I just thought the depth scoring uh, was going to dry up. I thought um, there were still guys that were unproven in uh, in Monaghan, as you mentioned, uh, maybe not a true number one center. And uh, and then, I, of course, like I said, goaltending. I thought Mike Smith uh, and then uh, – uh, I can't names escaping me. The um, David Riddick, David Riddick. Yeah. I thought those guys, they can be beat and the blues have some snipers on their team. So that's kind of the feel. I think a lot of people kind of felt the same way. And then uh, that's why there wasn't a huge shock that uh, Colorado had knocked them out. But, uh, and I I still think think if the flames can shore up uh, their net a bit, I mean, they got a hell of a back end. They got a hell of a blue line. If you look at our blue line, um, you know, and some really good upcomers there. If they can shore up their net a bit, I think they're going to be a formidable presence next year. I do. I think so too. And um, I think if they get past Colorado, I think they easily could have uh, taken San Jose the limit in uh, round two. So uh, my my prediction on our show was that the Western Conference Finals was going to be Calgary St. Louis. Well, there you go. I and, did say I did say St. Louis San Jose, but I had San Jose. Uh, beating Calgary in seven in round two. San Jose usually poops the bed at some point, and I expected they would have done it earlier. 
Yeah. <laughs> they just, they waited till they faced us, I guess. Yeah. And then I'll tell you, it's interesting, you know, talking to you. Um, we we're talking on our show in December about the flames need to do something to get goaltending. And as you know, goaltending is a hard thing to buy in the NHL. Um, it costs a lot, but this is when St. Louis was, I think the last place team in the West for a while, worse than even Edmonton. And at the time I said, we should try to work a deal for with St. Louis to get the goalie that, you know, they have, which is Jake Allen. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I mean, in the end it's been Bennington who, you know, you guys hung your hat on to get all the way up there. So, you know, I was saying, it, it, and I still think in the off season, it might be something worth looking at, but one of your thoughts, uh, do you think Bennington is the real deal or do you think it's the flash in the pan guy who's saving you for one year? I actually, um, just recently, I mean, within the last couple of weeks, started believing he is the real deal. And, you know, I never, you know, when he was really coming through in, in January and February, I thought, okay, he's an NHL goalie, but, uh, you know, he's not Andrew Hammond, but yeah. I don't think he's a starter to this. To say he's a starter is a little premature. At this point, I think he is an NHL starter. He's He's got the pedigree. Uh, you know, he, he had a great year with the Providence Bruins in uh, the AHL last year. He was an, uh, he's a former OHL goalie of the year. Um, he's got the pedigree that shows he could play in big games. And he's, he's a guy, he's a very stoic presence. And I think he is the real deal. So I think that the blues could potentially try to move Jake Allen this year. I think the only thing that's going to hold that up is his contract. Um, it's not a bad contract, but it's not a great contract. What What's his deal? I believe he's got three years left on it at 4.5, but I could be incorrect. You know, if you look around the league, though, that's pretty uh, pretty cheap for a starter. I agree. That's not bad. So, I, And I think the, the big saving grace with him is GMs are going to look at him as a reclamation project. He's going to be the guy that, okay, he's not working out there. Let's bring him over here and let's see what he can do. And I think that's going to be the, the selling point for him. And I will admit, I've said that. I said, man, Jake Allen, Calgary could be a fit there. Yeah, I, I think it could be. And I mean, Calgary, as we talked about earlier, we have um, we've tended to bring in older guys. And I like that Allen's 28. I don't think Allen's necessarily the guy that takes you to the cup, but I think pair him up with a good backup and they could do good things. And if you look at the free agent market this summer, I think, you know, co- Bunch of teams are going to be in on Bob, but they're going to overpay. I bet he gets almost $10 million. I think uh, Varlamov is going to get overpaid just because he's the next best guy available. So I don't want the Flames to go on either of those guys. We have money to spend elsewhere. So I think, you know, if you look at what we're paying Mike Smith, based on what you said, Allen's money is similar. I could definitely see the Flames trying to work a deal or another team trying to work a deal to get Allen from you guys. Yeah, I, I think that's very, very possible what's going to happen. I think the Blues maybe go, they'll go g- get somebody else, I think, who uh, is happy at the very most splitting with, with Bennington, yeah. but probably uh, getting 20 to 30 games a year. Um, I think, you Alan, know, you know, who I could see in that role is Peter Morazic. I was, I was just saying that earlier today. I said, I could see Peter Morazic. Uh, signing with the Blues yeah. if if they decide to trade Jake Allen. Yep. And the I, only thing I think, is if Allen if Allen comes here, probably have to change numbers because thirty four is not retired, but that's Kipper's number. You can't go wearing that. No, no, definitely not, definitely so. not. Um, yeah, I think that uh, man, that 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 that. I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one that thinks that Morazic, 
here, Allen to Calgary. I think that is a complete possibility. And hey, maybe, I was saying, maybe by the time this airs, it will have happened. Yeah, you know, I, I think that Mrazic, if we don't go get Allen, could end up here as well for a 1A, 1B, but I'd rather get a guy that I think, you know, even Jake Allen, who didn't have a great year, has a track record of, you know, being a better goalie than he was this year, and I would like to see him in Calgary as long as the price is right. And we have some pieces to move. If you guys want Froelich, if you guys want uh, Brody, I'm sure a deal can be made. <laughs> I think I'm good on Froelich. <laughs> um, it's going to be a tough no. one to move. Yeah, I think so. Um, man, I got to say that uh, Jake Allen, and I think any Blues fan would agree with you here. You know, we've we've had our dark moments with him on this show. We've we've definitely uh, uh, praised Bennington for for getting Allen out of the crease for us. But at the same time, the Blues' defense was atrocious to open the year, mm-hmm. and and he was the guy that was was seeing the brunt of that. I mean. Chad Johnson, he came in and had a one shutout against the Sharks early in the year, and people were like, oh, well, this is the guy. I got to go with Chad Johnson. Well, the Blues actually played a pretty decent game, plus the Sharks are coming off a back-to-back, and it just the, the, the defense was awful for him. And you look at the performance he had in, uh, I think it was 2017, against the Minnesota Wild uh, in mm-hmm. the first round. He was lights out. That is one of the yeah. best goaltending performances I've seen from a Blues goalie in a playoff series. Now, the next series against Nashville, he was okay. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. But that Minnesota series, any Blues fan will tell you, that was a hell of a goaltending performance from Jake Allen. And if you can get more of that from him, uh, he's he's going to be a hell of a goalie for any other team. Another guy I think you might end up seeing in St. Louis, if they're looking for more of a veteran guy behind Bennington, would be Cam Talbot. Yeah, I could see that too. I could see that. Um, you know, he got tra- he got traded late by uh, Edmonton to Philly. I don't think Philly's going to hang on to him. And I could see him coming here, but I could also see him going to St. Louis. Yeah, I'd be fine with that, too. I think, um, again, if if he's not the starting goalie, I think he's is solid option. So that's uh, very well could happen. When I look at the Blues on paper, their defense really seems to be much weaker than their forward crop. I mean, the best guys are Petrangelo, Delzato. You could debate if Bo Meester should be in there, but... I could see if Calgary and uh, St. Louis could work a deal of sending Brody and something to St. Louis for Allen. I think both teams would benefit by that. I'd be fine with that. I think that um, I would agree with you on the Blues defense. I mean, obviously, Pareko has uh, really shown, especially this playoff, to be a very solid player. And, uh, you know, Blues are very happy with Petrangelo. They got Bomeister for another year. Um, but, yeah, I think, and I've said this before, I think Vince Dunn's great. And I think Robert Portuzo's great. But at the same time, I think you can improve a little bit there in your bottom three, bottom four. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Brody, that's that's an excellent option. I've, I've yeah, always and, liked his game. And I think we're going to be looking to move Brody out just because we need to free up some money, and we have some rookies that are playing better than him. So uh, Calgary's got a big signing this summer in Kachuk, and I think it's pretty much going to be, you know, we're going to keep writing zeros to it tells us to stop because we can't afford to lose that guy. So they're going to need to free up some money somewhere. I think it's funny you mentioned Kachuk. He's a St. Louis boy. And mm-hmm. that was another thing I wanted to ask you about before we uh, closed up shop here. Um, obviously, you're a fan of, of Matthew Kachuk because of what he can do. But um, do you see, I mean, is it easy for you to see why other teams hate him so much, namely Drew Doughty? We we talked on our show about was it worth it for the Flames to try and trade up last year to get Brady? Like, you know, collect them all. Phenomenal. 
you know, and, and yeah, and, and I don't know if it was, but yeah, I definitely see why teams uh, hate hate Kachuk. Kachuk's a very special player, and he plays a lot like his dad. He has a lot of his dad's tendencies. I don't know if you guys know there, after every game, his dad phones him, and yeah. they run through the game together. And we see it, uh, you know, as media guys often, Keith is down in the dressing room. Keith comes to a lot of the games. So we're really happy to have him here. Um, yeah, I can see why you guys hate him. Do you want my bold prediction? What's that? I think uh, Kachuk becomes the highest paid flame this summer. I think he's the next captain of the Calgary Flames. And my bold prediction, I think in the next three years, the Calgary Flames are going to move Johnny Goudreau and Kachuk's going to become the number one left winger. Holy cow. That is quite bold, sir. You, you, As we talked about earlier, you've got to give to get. And I can see a team like Philadelphia uh, or New Jersey where he's from giving, even a team like St. Louis, giving a lot to get a guy like Goudreau when he's, you know, 26, 27, 28. Yeah, I could see that too. That's uh, that so, makes sense. And, and I, I no, think I mean, after, after being burned by uh, the Jerome McGinley and the Bo Meester deals, I think they would move him while there's still value. But that's, that's very solid point. And I will say, you know, I know it's easy to hate on Matthew Kachuk and uh, you know, the blues uh, we, we talk about uh, the second round here, they played the Dallas stars and Ben Bishop was kind of a, a hated figure. He's a St. Louis boy. But it's funny because even though these guys can can get under your skin and piss you off, like I still say, like Patty Maroon back when he was with uh, Anaheim used to piss me off. But man, that's this this soft spot in my heart where I'm like, I really hope he does well. I want to see him succeed. That's how I feel about Matthew and Brady Kachuk because those guys are uh, are St. Louis boys and they play their hearts out. And I, you know, they they have a certain style. Yes, you gotta hate them if they're not on your team, but uh, man, when they're not playing against the Blues, I love watching their game. They're so much fun to watch. I, I don't remember which coach, but one of the coaches we were talking to in a media scrum here in Calgary said that. He said, this is a player you hate to play against, but you love if he's yours. Yep. That's exactly and, you know, right. we we love Kachuk here. There's tons of Kachuk jerseys in Calgary. Um, you know, like you said, his dad, a big St. Louis Blue, which is interesting, but um, yeah, he's, he's a big fan favorite here. And I don't know if it's the same in St. Louis fans always fall in love here with the enforcer, Brian McGratton, oh, yeah. not a very good player, you know, and, and the team moves your enforcer and it's like, yeah, that was a good move. That guy can be easily replaced, but fans are in love with them. So I'm glad that we're in love with a guy who's actually a good hockey player rather than Brian McGratton. Yeah. See, we, we, now listen up uh, Ryan Reeves. I still say, I, I love his game and I'm a big fan of his, but that was a big uh, uh, problem with Blues fans when he got traded uh, for Clem Costin, the ability to draft Clem Costin and uh, Oscar Sunquist, which Sunquist was to a lot of people just the throw in. He's been a hell of a part of the Blues yes. run this year. Yep. And so for people to still, I still see people say, oh, I wish we wouldn't have gotten rid of Reeves. Well, you got Oscar Sunquist, who is contributing every single night for the blues. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I'm actually it's that. funny because Ryan Reeves, I guess almost signed in Calgary last year and uh, deal fell apart last minute. Well, there you go. Yeah, but yeah, we, uh... we love those enforcers. Like I said, Brian McGratton, terrible hockey player, a good face puncher, you know, fans hated it when he left. And it's like, guys, we can find this. I mean, I don't know if you're a pro wrestling guy. Calgary's got a big pro wrestling history. We can find face punchers anywhere in this city. You know, like that's not a hard role to fill. Don't fall in love with the face puncher. And right. so that's why, that's why I like uh Kachuk that he's that sandpaper guy, but he can actually play hockey. 
That's my favorite type of player. Um, I, I always get trouble from my co-hosts on this show for uh, uh, liking Jamie Ben. I always say, I like Jamie Ben when the Blues aren't playing him. Yeah. Exactly. Any other time, I love watching his game because he's yeah. he's a sandpaper guy. They can do everything. He's going to piss you off, and then he's going to score a goal on you. Yep. No, I think uh, if Calgary's going to win the Cup in the next three years, which I think is very possible, um, Kachuk's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, I could see that. He's a very solid player, and uh, that was a guy, that draft, I remember Blues fans wanting to trade up to try and get him on the Blues because uh, not only would that be a great story, but he's one hell of a player. He is, yeah, and like I said, Keith always in Calgary now. So I don't know if he's going to start splitting his time between Calgary and Ottawa, but we see him here at the Saddle Dome quite often. So I think he still lives in St. Louis, if I'm right, but he's he's yes. often up here. Yeah, we see him at Blues. He's at Blues games a lot too. And I will admit, since uh, since Brady's gone to Ottawa, we don't see him here as much because. Uh, I think he's definitely spending a lot of time between uh, Calgary and Ottawa now. Well, it's interesting because Calgary and Ottawa are on completely different coasts. It would almost be like, you know, um, a player playing for Anaheim and New York, right? Like yeah. completely different coasts. So he says that he's, he, last time I talked to him, he said he's doing kind of the coast to coast Canada trip. He said, I might as well move up here. Yeah. Yeah. He might. I think he might actually, it, it you know, it's happen. quick to go from St. Louis to Calgary, but when you got to go across the country, Yep. It's uh yeah, it's a lot. So he said, yeah, I just got to find an angle to get Canadian citizenship and I'm coming up. Yep. Yeah. Right now he's got Robert Thomas living in his house. So, uh, Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. He'd, he'd have to put that up for sale before he, uh, uh he had to, he had to kick Thomas out before he puts his house up for sale. There but you we'll, go. Or just wait till he's not holding, you know, keeping Thomas there anymore and then get out of there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or sell the uh, house to Thomas. I mean, there's a guy who's going to get a big, uh, big payday soon. Oh yeah. Very soon. That, that kid is one hell of a hockey player. Uh, Dan, this is, this has been great. I've enjoyed every minute of this. Uh, we, we mentioned before the show, uh, had started recording that we've actually talked before. I've had you on a, a previous podcast I used to run. So, uh, still good to see the knowledge and, uh, en- enthusiasm you have for the team and the sport. Uh, but, uh, for my my followers and my listeners that want to hear for more from you and, and interact with you on social media. I want to give you plenty of time here to tell them how they can find you. Sure. We are uh, fireside chat is the name of our podcast. We think it's a great name for a Calgary flames podcast. Um, you can find us at firesidechat.ca, not.com or Canadian. So .ca. Uh, on that site, you can find all the best ways to subscribe. You can have us email you every time there's a new show. Of course, we're on Twitter at fireside podcast we're on facebook facebook.com slash fireside chat um hit us up come find us if you're a flames fan or i'd say even if you're a blues fan it's always good to know what the competition's doing um unlike you guys who are still recording when or who are still playing when we record this we've been golfing for a while but by the time the show comes out uh we'll probably be just after the draft or after free agency and we'll be hitting uh hitting the airwaves again with the draft preview we'll be talking about what happens july 1st and then we get things rolling again mid-August as uh, training camp gets going. So we'll be back in full swing by the time everyone hears this. But yeah, firesidechat.ca is the best place to find us. And that's a show that we do weekly during the hockey season with myself, my co-host, Matt DeBorg. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate it again. And uh, hey, good luck to your team next year. Just not not too much luck if the Blues and the Flames face off in the playoffs. You know, it would be a great matchup, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be. I agree. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Well, again, big thanks to Dan for coming on the show. 
If you want to follow us on Twitter, as I said, uh, we got a big live show coming up, so make sure you do that if you're not already doing that. The show Twitter is at LGB Radio. Kirk Price is at Kirk Price. Bill Days at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. I'll close up this show with another little just a reminder of our programming note. And then I'll, obviously I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give you a little idea on the change in schedule uh, with the Behind Enemy Lines shows. So as I said, our next episode, uh, it's about six days away now from when this airs. Our live show will be Wednesday, August 7th at 9.15-ish. Remember that, uh, yeah, we, we want you to participate. We want listeners to be able to tune in live. But I realize that a lot of people get this show via podcast. So just uh, watch out for Thursday, August 8th. Uh, that episode will be posted. Um, and again, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, to find out when the uh, the show is posted. But yeah, um, so we're doing the show Wednesday, August 7th at 9.15. And then uh, the podcasted episode will be released the following day. And then the day after that, Friday, August 9th, Behind Enemy Lines uh, returns. And Dominic from Lighthouse Hockey, who is a New York Islanders fella, he comes on and we talk about the Islanders. And keep in mind, and, and those that have listened to this show for a while, Dominic's a friend of the show. Uh, he's also a blues fan. He lives in St. Louis. So he uh, he's a big blues fan, a big Islanders fan, grew up a fan of both teams. So um, it's actually, this is an interesting one because we talk a lot of Islanders, obviously, but uh, I also wanted to get his take on the blues win. So uh, there's a little bit of that sprinkled in as well. So keep that in mind. So, again, that is Friday, August 9th. And then uh, the following Monday, we have our Colorado Avalanche episode, which will be on Monday, August 12th. And then uh, the next – so that next week, we're actually going to have three shows. Buffalo Sabres on Wednesday, August 14th, and the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday, August 16th. So, again, the week of Monday, August 12th, we have three shows. So I hope you're ready to hear a lot of me and I apologize for those that do not want to hear that. But you know what? If you're tuning in, you obviously want to hear me. So too bad. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, thanks to Dan. Uh, I will talk to all of you next week when we do our live show and uh, celebrate 200 episodes of the original Blues Hockey Podcast. How about that, folks? Well, thank you for listening. And until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. Play Gloria. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day. Play dance. I'm rocking and rolling with the blues.